This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we're back here on Inside Black and Gold. I just have to say, USA, USA, because uh, we won. I believed and we won. It's a good thing, right? Hey, we need something to cheer about for sure. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a fun game. I watched it. It was one of those games where you kind of spent the first half of the game being like, this is going to be another scoreless tie because that's the worst thing about soccer and it's going to happen again. And they ended up winning one to nothing, which is only slightly better. But hey, you know, we get another game. I'm sure they're going to get beaten to to the bricks by the Netherlands. I'll be in Atlanta to watch that game because I'm heading out to Atlanta for the SEC championship. If anyone was wondering, that's that's good stuff. But this is inside Black and Gold. We're talking about the Saints. And I went through the Saints film today and it was not a pretty picture. And the, the first thing I, I will say right now is Chris Olave needs to hold on to the goddamn ball. <laughs> I mean, like we can bitch all we want about the refs and the officiating and they were bad. And that should have been called a catch. And if you go back to week two, it was called a catch and a fumble. That's what drives me the most nuts is if you go back and you watch, I tweeted this, if you go back and you watch that play in week two where Chris Olave caught it and went to the ground and dropped it and then the Bucks recovered and it was a fumble, it was the exact same play. The only difference is he wasn't touched. So it was a fumble. In this case, he was touched. So he should have been down by contact. So the fumble wouldn't have counted. And so the, the refs suck and they still suck. They always sucked and it hasn't changed. But... You are a professional catcher of footballs. That is your job. I don't know. I, I, I want to talk to him and ask him, like, if these are drills that you do to, like, learn how to fall with the ball in your hands because it just seems like it's just not something he's good at. No, like, we see Alvin on the balance board or doing all those crazy things with his trainer. I would imagine that Olave is going to have to hook up with somebody that's going to – whether it's those foam, you know, bats that you have to – you know, every time he catches the ball or – 
you know, I don't know if he can really simulate falling to the ground, though. What are you talking about? You don't have to simulate falling to the ground. You could just fall. I know, but then they're like, oh, Chris Olave hurt his shoulder in practice, falling to the ground, and he's out for the season. You know, I'm just worried about that kind of thing. No, I'm sorry. You should be <laughs> able to practice falling to the ground with a ball. I mean, like, just have Jameis throw you the ball and catch it and fall. Like, that should be a natural <laughs> thing. But it's like he doesn't understand how to do it, and that's what's frustrating. Because he, he just never got touched at Ohio State. I don't know. Well, I just think in college, you, you, <laughs> when you fall, you're done. You know what I mean? Like when you hit the ground, like that week in week two, that fumble, even if it was called a catch in college, he'd have been down by contact, right? So yeah. like, I think there, to an extent, you don't have to know how to fall because you don't have to worry about getting up. And I don't know. I mean, that should have been a catch 100% of the time. That should have been a catch. But it's like, if it's, if, it, if that wasn't a catch, then week two shouldn't have been a catch. I don't know, anyway, but he's got to learn how to, how to catch the ball. Jawan Johnson, in the last five minutes of that game, had the ball bounce off his hands twice. One of them was on the fumble by Alvin Kamara, but like he was right there. He, he could have been able to corral that ball, and it would have turned a fumble into a into a huge play. It would have been a touchdown. It's like that everything. For like us, you though. saw that happen to the 49ers, right? Like yeah, Tyron Matthew made a play and popped up in the air and they caught a touchdown. The <laughs> same thing could have happened for the Saints, but they didn't do it. Like that's the difference in that game. Right? Juwan Johnson on the next drive had a ball bounce off his face mask and he wanted a penalty. But it's like, no, just catch the damn ball. Taysom Hill had a ball bounce off his goddamn face mask. And you could say, well, why are we throwing a fade to Taysom Hill in the end zone? I'm going to say, catch the freaking ball. You're a football player. Anyway, Absolutely. you go back to the film and you look at this game. And the, the most frustrating thing is that the Saints very much could have won this game. It was a game they went into as nine point underdogs and should not have had a chance to win and did have a chance to win. The defense kept them in the game and the offense could not get it done. And it's like, you can blame Andy Dalton if you want. It's always easy to blame the quarterback. I don't think he played that badly. He had that one really awkward thing where you like threw the yeah. ball at the feet of Chris Olave. And it was because Alvin Kamara came through on the, on the zone read or whatever, you know, the, the play action and like the ball got bumped. And so he lost the laces and he tried to throw it. And it just was like, oh yeah, there's that picture going around where he's throwing the ball and you know the laces are on the other side, and of course people have latched onto that and are just killing him on it. Well, it's like you know when you don't have the depth perception to see why it happened, right? Like when you see it from the broadcast angle, it's just like this is an NFL quarterback. <laughs> what is happening? Yeah, and you can see like he like been like oh no, you know he did like the the the. Uh, what is it called? The Cobra, the um, okay. the surrender Cobra, and it's just that's what he did after that. But no, I like you go through the film, and I like, and this is why, I, you know, I, well, I think James Winston should be the starting quarterback. Like I do, I've said that I'm on record. I've said it a billion times. But you go back through the film and you watch this game, and you're like, Andy Dalton's not the reason that they they didn't get in the end zone, right? Like. <laughs> Like it, so, it's like you, you go back and you're trying to find reasons for them to bench him and go to Jameis Winston, and like that's he's not playing that badly, you know. It, it, it like whether you think he should be the starter or not, nothing he did in this game is like gonna make you feel like, oh man, he should never be the starting quarterback for this team because he's the exact same guy he was when they put him in the first time, and like they moved the ball. Like they got into the red zone so many times, they got into the red zone enough times that if all you did was kick field goals, you you might have won that game. But if if Will Lutz makes them, well, right, right, right. Well, <laughs> if I, that's the thing. So here here's the thing. Like you look at kind of like the alternative reality of that game. Chris Olave's catch stands up. You don't get in the end zone when you kick a field goal. Suddenly it's three to three, right? 
You go into halftime, you're down 10 to three. The 49ers get the ball after halftime and it is 13 to three. Well, now when you get to fourth and five and you have the option of kicking a 41 yard field goal or going for it, you probably do kick it because then you're down 13 to six. And, you know, that makes sense because it's only one score and it's a 41 yard field goal instead of a 46 yard field goal. And maybe he makes it right. Because that does make a difference. And then you get down to the to the red zone and those possessions, there's a lot more game pressure on the 49ers when it's like, oh man, they could tie this, you know? And so maybe if you're not pressing, Alvin Kamara isn't, isn't desperately trying to get into the end zone there and he doesn't hold the ball up and get it popped up. I don't like a lot could have changed based on that one catch. And yeah, and it's like you make excuses all day long. It's frustrating, but like, I don't know what Andy could have done differently in that game is, is kind of my larger point. And like, maybe, maybe Jameis would have been more aggressive. Maybe you would have been able to push the ball downfield, but when you can't run the ball and the saints could not run the ball, a lick in that game, it becomes very difficult for any quarterback. I don't care who it is to move the ball. And you know, when you get to fourth, first and goal at the four and you don't feel like you can run it when you get fourth and one at your own 46 and you don't feel like you can just plow ahead for a first down, you are already playing at a deficit, and that's what the Saints were doing in this game. Yeah, that's what Chris, as your friend, was asking. Why did they throw four times? Exactly like you said, they they couldn't run the football, and that you felt they believed that too, and that was the problem. That that's like nothing they were doing was working. No matter who they were handing the ball off to, it just wasn't getting done. When it looked like I'm going to get this guy's name wrong, Talanoa, is that how you say it? Oh, the Niners. Yeah, Talanoa Hufunga. Yeah, Hufunga. I, I know that. I know Hufunga. Right. I just don't want to say his first name. I think it's Talanoa. Anyway, so Alvin Kamara's first fumble. You watch it, and I tweeted this. If you want to see it, go to my Twitter account. I got yelled at for posting game film on the YouTube channel. So <laughs> <laughs> I think it's it's first and 10, and you are handing the ball off to, to Alvin. The ball is snapped at the 40. He has to make Hufunga miss at the 35-yard line. And the reason is... He came up late on a blitz, and you would have thought that he knew the snap count based on the timing with which he got up yeah. there. And like it was so per like no one saw him. And that, that was another thing. I think it was pretty loud at that point because you could see like Kevin White, Ryan Ramchek, Drake Watt Smith, they were all looking in for the snap. And so he literally just ran by them blind because they were they were they had to look in to see the ball, and he just went in behind him. And so like Alvin made him miss. But, you know, I have a feeling that when you look what if, if you're Alvin and you're like that, you're already having to make a move in the backfield. And then it's like maybe your bus security isn't where you want because you're already out of sorts. And I have a feeling that might have played a role in that fumble. But it's like there's clearly a tip going on there. Like he knew the snap count. It was not a guess. It was too perfect to be a guess. And then he doubled down on that because on the second drive, he did it again. And he, he perfectly guessed the snap count and got in on a blitz. And it actually didn't. You actually got the benefit of a Taysom Hill false start because if it wasn't a false start, he was going to tackle Mark Ingram in the backfield for a three, four yard loss. And you're going to be looking at seven, second and 14 instead of first and 15. And it's like that the, the one time you can be like, Oh, maybe he just got really lucky. The second time it's like, no, he, he is keying on the snap count and you are doing something that is tipping off the, the cadence to him. And I think that, you know, and James Hurst mentioned this, uh, they changed some things up after the first couple of possessions. And I think it worked because he didn't really get that perfect run in the, the rest of the game. 
But it's like that's not that's not a good thing when you're when you're an offense and you're like, man, they know exactly what we're gonna do and they're they're ready for it. And that's what it felt like in this game. Yeah, you're talking about Hufunga. That's a guy that was a fifth round draft pick and is having a hell of a sophomore He's really season. Good. He's really good. Yeah. He forced that second fumble too. Right. And I mean, uh I I I see in here too from Chris is your friend saying Taysom Hill four times hell nah, he's gonna get a TD. I don't know what makes you believe that they were dialed in on Taysom. That might be one of the few games I've seen him actually struggle as a runner. I think he only ended up with like two yards of carry after that game, and he got hit hard. They were definitely locked and loaded on him, and he wasn't able to to do anything. Yeah, I mean, I would like to have seen them try. But I don't think it would have worked. I really don't. like, And I don't think the Saints thought it would have worked either. They would, or else they would have done it. Um, because you saw them, like, they could run it in in non-running downs, right? Like, you saw them have some success on, like, first and 10, second and long. But, like, you would not see them have success in, in third and short, in fourth and short, in, you know, first and goal, second and goal, third and goal. Like when the field is that compressed and they don't have, to, and they can just crash the safeties down, you are not going to be able to run. And that was a problem. And I, I think part of it's Josh Andrews, right? Like you really, Eric McCoy is really, 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 really good. And Josh Andrews is not like, I don't want to hate on Josh Andrews. He's a backup. He's doing his job, but that's like when you lose your star players, that is what happens is you have to, you have to find ways to win without them and not having your star center makes it really difficult to run up the middle, right? Like we're not talking about getting to the edge. We're not talking, we're talking about like fourth and one, third and one. You want to just be able to plow ahead. And the guy you're trying to plow behind is your center. And, you know, obviously there's a guard on either side of him and you have to pick a, you have to pick a gap, but that makes it difficult when you don't trust the center to be a road grader like Eric McCoy has been, you know, and I think, you know, I want to see Trevor Penning get on the field more because I think he is an asset in those situations. I think he struggles in pass protection and he did in this game, that face mask penalty. And I tweeted this too. It was a good call. They didn't yeah, show it absolutely. on the broadcast for some reason. I don't know why they didn't show it on the broadcast, but you can see it on the all 22. He gets his hand up and Nick Bosa's face and kind of yanks him. And so it was a good call. And the, the flag came out long before the, the DPI penalty came out. So if you're one of those like, Oh, it's, you know, they only threw it because they wanted to negate that. No, it came out first and it was the right call. Um, but like his, his asset in the run game, I think is what's going to get him on the field sooner rather than later. Like I like James Hurst. I think James Hurst is solid, but I don't think that he's a good enough blocker in the run game. And this needs to be a running football team. And you saw how difficult things can be when you don't feel like you can run the ball, when you don't feel like you have the pieces to block in the run game on third and fourth and short. And yeah, you get shut out for the first time in two decades when that, ha when you can't run the ball. And obviously, you're going to need this run game to show up Monday Night Football because the, the Buccaneers, are I don't know if they're still as stout as they were, but they usually, the past couple of years, have had a pretty good run defense as well. And yeah, I'm anxious to see more of Trevor Penning. And that was definitely, you know, you mentioned that hands to the uh, face penalty that negated the defensive pass interference, the offensive pass interference, right? Yeah. No, defensive pass interference. That was that was a big buzzkill, and you know you saw the players on the sideline at that moment, you know, reeling from that. And, and obviously, those things are going to happen. But man, oh man, I'm telling you, just there's so many times 
where you see this team trying to put something together or have a big stop, but there's there's always that little minute thing that comes up and ends up hurting them. It's just it's been really tough this season. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, and so one of those things was a illegal contact penalty that negated an Alante Taylor interception. It would have been the first of his career, and it would have been a massive momentum swinging play in that game. And that seemed like a BS call to me. It was a bad call. I mean, like, I like by the letter of the law, right? You could have called that illegal contact. But if you're calling that illegal contact, then you need to call every other play that's similar to that illegal contact. And that, that if you did that, you would end up calling illegal contact 40 times a game because that's just, that's just contact. Like it happens. It's impossible to not, you know, and, and like, sure, maybe he kept him a little longer than the five yard line, but it was nowhere near the play. It wasn't like that was where the play went. It didn't affect the play. And the, and that was an instance where the flag came out well after the interception and it was kind of like you watch a basketball game and you see a guy get fouled and then you know the the whistle doesn't come until he misses the layup because they didn't want to give him an end one but because the foul made him miss the layup they gave him the foul and it really felt like that that's what it felt like it was like oh well since it got intercepted i should call this you know and it was like so if it just bounced off his hands, maybe you get away with it. But it's like, that's not a good look. And uh, I thought Caden Ellis had a really interesting insight on this. Uh, and it's because of what he referenced, which fans probably remember that from last year. I got taken away. And at the time, you don't know what it was. For all you know, it could have been the most egregious penalty of the year. Um, but then watching it, you know, Drew Brees posted it. I don't have social media, but the guy showed me on the plane. And ah, yeah, it's, it's frustrating and it hurts. And um, you know, sometimes like at the end of the day, everybody's human. Um, at the end of the day, everybody's going to make mistakes. Um, I remember I had one last year against the Titans and they took away Marcus Williams interception because they said I, I hit a guy, I hit uh, Tannehill in an egregious way, which was not true. And they, everybody's human. Everybody makes mistakes. And, um, I'm just excited because I know, I know Taysom get out there and get another one and I'm going to celebrate double as hard this time because it's kind of in the bank form now. You don't want to sound like he said Taysom. He said, no, he said, Tay's going to get out there and get another one. But no, it's like, I'm glad he brought that up because it is very similar. And it's like officiating can be bad, but when it negates a huge play in the game and it's a momentum swinging type play, it makes it even worse. And that's what happened against Tennessee last year. And, And it's a really good callback from him because he was the guy who got flagged. And it was a roughing the passer penalty where they said he got up and hit Tannehill in the head, but it he really just hit him in the back and Tannehill went down, but it was like right as the ball got thrown, it wasn't a late hit and the ball got tipped up. Marcus Williams came down with it for an interception and it got negated. And instead of a turnover, it ended up being a touchdown later in that drive for the Titans in a game that the Saints lost by two on a failed two point conversion that Trevor Simeon was throwing to Mark Ingram. How's that for a memory? I didn't even look that up. But no, it's it's very similar. And and it's frustrating when you look back and you see like how light that contact was. And then you see plays throughout the game where it's like, yeah, but you're calling that 
but you're not calling this. And like, I don't think that every close call should be a penalty, but like, if you call the minimal contact one time, then you have to call it every time. You have to call it when Rashid Shahid is going downfield and the defender literally just has his hand. They're holding hands and he can't get his arm up to catch the ball because he's holding his arm down. Like you have to call that too. You have to call it when Chris Olave is coming around and he's trying to make a ball and you come over the top of him and knock him. Like you have to make all of the calls and instead they made that call on a play that completely changed the game for the second time in the day. They made a second game-altering call that didn't have to happen. And I just, oh God. Like, and it's like you can't give the Saints a pass because they put themselves in these situations. But, but it's just so frustrating. And it's like the, the state of NFL officiating is like, give us robots. You know, I've been watching Westworld and the robots are doing really good in that. You know, they, they seem to be successful. They seem to know what they're doing. Why can't they call the make the calls in the in the games? I don't know. It's just frustrating because you know, too, it's just it's nonstop against the Saints. It seems like there's so many bad calls made against this team. It almost seems personal. I'm I'm sorry. It does feel that way. It, it, it feels personal, just like it feels personal against Brian Kelly, um, <laughs> who who came, had a press conference where he was just like, we need to stop reviewing every play. It's really annoying. I don't like it. And then ever since that point, every review has gone against LSU. Right. Every absolutely. single one. <laughs> you, you will not convince me that the refs aren't like, yeah, yeah that guy. Okay, so I do want to give us one positive film note, and it is the guy that we keep heaping praise on. It's the guy we just heard from, and it's Caden Ellis. He had 14 tackles in that game, 12 solo tackles. And the play I'm going to draw attention to, and I'm actually going to show you, uh, even though the powers that be told me I'm not allowed to show all 22 anymore, but they're wrong, so I'm going to do it anyway. This reverse by Debo Samuel that... They, the 49ers scored on a play like this against the Cardinals last week. Like, he knew that play was coming. The, the ball hasn't even snapped. Debo just starts going in motion. He's like, yep, okay. And he gets upfield, and he makes this play. And, like, look at the blocking. This is going to work. If he doesn't get to the edge, if he doesn't stop this for, I think it was a three-yard gain, Tyron Matthews going to get blocked. The edge is sealed. The only guy who could have made a play on that is either DeMario, but he's got a long way to go. Carl Grandison is not going to get there. Marcus May is trailing. So if Caden doesn't stop this where he does, this play is getting all the way to Marcus May. And so that's at least a 15, 20, 30-yard gain. If he breaks a tackle, it's a it's a 60-yard touchdown. Instead, it's a three-yard gain because Caden Ellis knew the play was coming from here. And like when you like we keep talking about Caden Ellis, we keep heaping praise on the guy. And like I, I think it's fair to be like, okay, come on, give me a break. Like, how good has he really been? He has been that good. He has been he has been an excellent tackler. He has been an excellent blitzer. He has been excellent in coverage. He has been excellent in pattern recognition and play recognition. And this is all of that in one. And so, like I, this is a kid who's on his fourth year in the NFL. He's going to be a free agent, and he's going to get paid. And uh, I, you know, I only hope the Saints are the team that pays him because he's starring in that will linebacker role right now starring and it's not even a question he's not he's not a guy who's just showing up and being solid in his opportunity like Zach Bond for example I thought Zach Bond had a solid game I wouldn't say he starred in that game I'd say he has a he had a solid game Caden Ellis has been a star the last three weeks of the season and I I didn't see it coming I really didn't no what's crazy too is he's filling in for the guy that was having a big breakout year and Pete Werner too 
And you just think about that. If Warner doesn't go down, we're really not seeing Ellis shine as much. So it's, you know, this, this is one of those scenarios, I guess you could say, where that whole next man up mentality really came through. No, this is a team that's identified linebackers really well. So it's, it shouldn't be a surprise that, you know, they they happen upon this guy and they develop this guy. But it's a, it's like in a, in a dark season like this one, you yeah. look for silver linings and it's like, okay, Chris Olave is exactly who they wanted him to be. Alante Taylor looks every bit like the guy they they hoped he was. And Caden Ellis has shown that he can be a star. Trevor Penning, hopefully he can show up. Gillikin had another good game. Yeah, yeah, he's he's finally woken up from whatever stupor he was in. But yeah, so like that's when you look at like, okay, what does this team have going for it going into next season? Obviously, they don't have a starting quarterback of the future. They don't know, but they do have a lot of intriguing young pieces that they've been able to draft. And that's why my main criticism of how this team has operated and how I want them to adjust is to stop over leveraging draft assets to move up and just start drafting the guys that you are high on. Because when they've done that, they've been successful, right? Like, I don't need you to move up and get Adam Troutman, but I need you to have a seventh-round pick so you can find a Caden Ellis, so you can find a Marcus Colston, right? Like, because if you don't have those picks and you don't make those picks, you're not getting those guys. No, and you mentioned Troutman. That's been one of my biggest disappointments. I just don't... He had a nice catch in this game. Sure, one catch. I think it was the first, like, the first drive, yeah. And then he disappeared for the rest of the day. That's what seems to happen way too often with him. I wish he was just... We'd see more of that, and it just – he hasn't been that big pass-catching tight end that I think we were all hoping he would be. Yeah. And all right, that's going to wrap it up for us on Inside Black and Gold. This is, drumroll, our 50th episode, which is kind of exciting. It's We started this back in the off season, and I think it's gone pretty well. If you're a fan, make sure you hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to watch it, we do live stream a lot of these on YouTube. So head over to WWL Sports on YouTube and hit the subscribe button there. Don't miss an episode. As I mentioned in the first segment, check out my Twitter account at Jeff underscore Nowak for the giveaway details on the Saints baseball shirt. We've partnered with Alter Game NFL to do some giveaways and we're excited to do that. I'll be posting the details on how you can get into that drawing on Wednesday morning. Win yourself a Saints shirt courtesy of Inside Black and Gold Podcast. All I ask is that you subscribe to our channel, leave us a rating, leave us a review, tell us what you like, what you don't. And I always enjoy bringing these podcasts to you guys. Always appreciate everyone who listens, myself and Steve Geller. You can give me a follow at Jeff underscore Nowak. That's N-O-W-A-K. Follow Steve Geller, WWL, over on Twitter as well. Check out the latest over on WWL.com and Sports Talk, 4 to 8 p.m. Monday through Friday on WWL AM 870 FM 105.3. Good stuff. Go Saints. Get a win. Beat the Bucks. Who that? Let's go. Oh,